Hello and welcome to Castable. This is the podcast which brings on brilliant guests to pitch their dream music festival. My name's Matt Hoss and I'm the host and I'm here to guide you around their festival. Today's guest is stand-up comedian and co-host of Enjoy an Album podcast is Christopher McArthur-Boyd. Hello! Thank you so much for having me, Matt. Hello to you also. And how are you doing today? Uh, I'm too sweaty, but other than that, <laughs> I'm, I'm very well. Uh, that's, you know what? A very grandiose way to start off the podcast. <laughs> I'm sweaty. I'm here. Let's go. <laughs> I just want people to know my circumstances. This is the first ever 4D podcast. You know, like you go on those rides, like Shrek 4D, and like yeah. you get like sprayed in the face. I want people to kind of feel the sweat and the moisture in the air of this podcast. 100%. It's a very muggy episode. Humid. Uh, humid humour, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, what a cracking way to start. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's, uh, it's an absolute privilege to have you here. And uh, so let's get start talking about music, because uh, I'm really interested to hear uh, what you have to say. Before we started recording, you mentioned uh, p- potentially dropping in pre-war jazz, which is like, that has not been done in this podcast. Which we're No, very... I'm, I'm not a big pre-war jazz buff. That was just an example <laughs> of like somebody being like, oh, I don't want to be funny on the podcast. I want everybody to know how much I know about Miles Davis's dad or whatever. And you're like... <laughs> Shut up, man. <laughs> I think that's the reason why I start this podcast, but then I realise I don't know anything about Miles Davis' dad, you know what I mean? So I kind of feel like I, <laughs> like I, that happens quite a lot. Like, when I first started Twitch, I thought I was a really good video game player, but then, oh then, then I started it, I was like, oh no, I'm terrible. So like, <laughs> I just try to lean into it. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to be the bad boy of Scottish gaming on Twitch, and I ended up being the <laughs> Scottish boy of bad gaming. <laughs> To be fair, I think um, when when we are on Twitch, like we do offer that something else as well. Like we we are funny and it's interesting and entertaining. Uh, While set, I'm not sure if you ever seen it, but I've, there's some people I watch on Twitch like uh, who are like really really famous who just like do speed runs and they just they're so like so like devoid of yeah like it's like there's no chat it's just kind of like this man sweating for four hours playing super mario brothers it's like oh wait mate like, like i know it is great to see it's like you know they're doing that they've had to become you know dark souls to speedrunners because they can't have a conversation you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, so exactly. it's like yeah. we're all we're all working with what we've got that's a that's a really lovely way to view it so um let's start off here if someone were to ask you what kind of music are you into how do you typically respond to that question it's such a boring answer (laughs) yeah but a wee bit of everything is is what uh, i'm into i don't like when people say i like everything except rap music and country (laughs) music because then it's like i like everything except what poor people listen to in america It's true though. Like I, I do. There, there is definitely a heckle in the back of my neck when, especially country, yes, but also more so like rap. When people go, mm, I like everything but that rap, and th- th- you have that like middle-aged dad who's like, oh, rap, more like crap. It's like you're just racist, <laughs> Graham, aren't you? You're just yeah. racist. <laughs> you're just still upset about Brexit, even though you got it. Like, <laughs> get a grip, Graham. Man. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And uh, but if so, you you kind of like a lot of everything. Um, but what what would you say the extremes are of your taste? What's like the levels? What what like what are the 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 borderlands of your um, taste? I like 
80s thrash metal oh, is hello. like yeah. really what I was into as a teenager. Like that totally defined my entire personality. Like um, me too as well. Like I was so into like Megadeth and Anthrax and uh, massive 100%. Metallica fan too. So yeah. Yeah, Megadeth was my first ever concert when I was 14. I went to see Megadeth at the Barrowlands Ballroom when they were touring for United Abominations. Oh my God, um, yeah. And I lost a shoe in a mosh pit. <laughs> And I was just walking about after the show, like everybody was leaving, and I was just like looking for my. I had one of those chunky skateboarding shoes that was like a Vans type thing. Yeah. Like before, we had Vans that were like, like I'm wearing Vans just now, but they're like mid top like yeah. sneakers. These were like fucking. I don't know why everybody in like 2002 had. We were wearing like little. They looked like an actual van, like a like a Ford Focus van. <laughs> Like little uh, transits on your feet. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, everybody had really chunky, <laughs> chunky skateboarding shoes. I think I got them for TK Maxx, and yeah. I remember just like wandering about. Like my glasses were broke, and I was just went up to the security guard. Like, has anybody handed in a shoe? <laughs> and he literally just had it like behind his back. He went, "I think you're looking for this," and it was one of my one of my friends that came off. Uh, wow, that's. I like... just remember like peace cells playing like dung 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 dung, and I was like pogoing one one foot because I wanted to enjoy the song, but also I had one shoe. And firstly, that's like the, even more romantic than Cinderella finding a shoe by a bouncer. <laughs> that's lovely. Uh, but also, you're right though, because like you. When you're in that situation, I've definitely lost like like a phone or a piece of clothing at a gig, and you're like, shit, I'm mindful of that, but also I don't want to. Like, this is the only time I get to see this band. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity, yeah, and I'm yeah, upset yeah. about life. Edmund. <laughs> yeah, but it's true though, because you do get upset in that moment. Uh, but also that I, you're also worried about the uh, um, the floor as well, because if you don't have a shoe on, like the sticky floor is definitely like, oh, I probably shouldn't be standing there. But it's also I need to dance as well, so it's a hundred percent. And then the. And the floor at a thrash metal gig is just covered in very low-tier beer, you know, like very <laughs> affordable, no-frills beer. Yeah, skull on the floor. It's uh, it's bad. Exactly. But, yeah, I love Megadeth so much, and uh, finally I have something to talk to about it. Uh, I, I, love, I love thrash metal, and, uh, yeah, when did you first get into Megadeth? Do you know, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the importance that Jack Black had on my, like, teenage years. I just remember over, like, I was on, like, wrestling forums and, like, everybody there was, like, into metal and I just remember, like, hearing Metallica and Megadeth and, like, um, School of Rock soundtrack yes. and, and the Guitar Hero games. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm, like, genuinely, like, this, I, I sound like such a... Like, bear in mind I do a music podcast. I feel like I should have a, a richer pedigree, but I don't. But I'm also <laughs> kind of proud of it. Like, Guitar Hero literally gave me that rock injection to my life. I learned, I got, I gained so much knowledge from, I started with Guitar Hero 2, because mm-hmm. I had the Sweet Child of Mine on. Then, oh, yeah. but from that, I learned so much, like, rock and metal. And I assumed, because uh, in Guitar Hero, there's a, um, there's, eight tiers of hardness and i thought when you get to the final <laughs> tier it's going to be all like heavy metal and and the final song is freebird which is this country rock song <laughs> it's yeah. like to be fair it does have a sick solo at the end of it but oh, like it's so hard that bit was like it's like a pure four-fingered hammer on like, <laughs> yeah absolutely. i had no idea how to do that for like months <laughs> i think we might be like uh kindred spirits here <laughs> like, <laughs> we're in sync in regards to our uh, <laughs> teenage years yeah. yeah absolutely but even then like like the rock band games, they were a little bit less heavy, but they were what got me into like Modest Mouse and yeah, the yeah, yeah, yes, and 
more kind of softer indie rock stuff when I, I realised that I wasn't actually angry about nuclear bombs or whatever the fuck <laughs> Megadeth singing about like I was just sad because nobody wanted to have sex with me and the repressed rage of metal turned into the actual angst of indie rock yeah <laughs> I've never had someone describe their own life so close to my own life before and I'm gonna get whatever you just said uh, transcribed onto a wall in my house because that, that was so such an accurate and I'm gonna say a, a brutal but uh, honest uh, depiction of myself for sure but like uh, yeah I uh, yeah like I I definitely went down that indie rock pathway after Fresh Melt as well and because like I, I'm kind of glad because when you're a teenager you get so bullheaded and you're like oh I'm, I'm only, I only like metal everything's everything other than metal sucks but then you like you soften up the edges and you learn that actually a good song is a good song and you can actually appreciate stuff as that and uh, yeah I, I didn't listen to rap when I was younger but from like games like rock band it mm-hmm. softened the edges and that and that evolution happened over time you get to access those areas and get to try those things as well like uh but yeah so we're gonna be talking about some festivals in a second but uh yeah have you been to many music festivals do you know here's the thing i don't like them (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the podcast (laughs) yeah no i like i love the idea of it i love the idea of like an autonomous lawless zone where hedonism (laughs) is like rules the day and like there's no police and you can do some drugs and all this kind of stuff but then i actually go and i remember that most people fill me with dread yes and when people and you know as much as i love the idea of anarchy in actual fact and i might as right society i would be the first in the pile of dead bodies do you know what i mean so i really it just makes me think about the end of the world and how i wouldn't exactly thrive in the post-apocalypse i'm really sweaty yeah Yeah. (laughs) people like well you're sweaty but we have fashioned weapons and we want your money and i'll be like okay cool yeah oh bless uh well i have been to a few i've done stand-up at a few Mm -hmm. and i remember when i was a teenager i was trying to be a music journalist oh yeah and i managed to blag tickets to a festival called wickerman Oh, cool. Um, which was like a kind of mini family-friendly Burning Man uh, event <laughs> in, I believe, Fife. It wasn't very good. I took my girlfriend at the time, and she wanted to, like, camp next to these people that she knew that I didn't know. And I was like, well, okay, yeah. yeah. She, she, she was arguing, like, oh, you know, you're less likely to get robbed if you're part of, like, a wee group of tents. And I was like, oh, okay, no worries. And then I got there, and everybody was weird with me. It turned out she knew these people because they were her ex-boyfriends <gasps> best friends oh my god whoa and they yeah. all hated me obviously because <laughs> he was going to come until he found out that i was coming and he went well i can't go then and then so they were all like missing their friend and i was like replacing him and everybody just i mean it was an awful maybe that's why i don't like festivals <laughs> Because of Jeremy Kyle gossip, yeah. Oh my god, that's that's so intense. And like for you to figure that out across the weekend as well, that's like, oh my god, that must be so intense on you as well. And did you find out at the festival, like, like you were like, are they being? I was just sitting with them, and I was like, so how do you know these people? And they told me, and I was like, right, okay. (laughs) Okay, cool. I'm just gonna sit in the in the portal loop for the next three days. Catch you later. Catch you later. Luckily, I was there to rev- a review the concert, and I thought, you know what, I'll try and because there's so many bands and stuff here, I'll try and interview as many people as I can. So I got to interview like a couple of local bands, and like I interviewed Newton Faulkner, and wow. just people that you wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to get in touch with. But I was like, just like I was like, can I meet the Scissor Sisters? <laughs> or like, can I meet um, Jake Bug? Was just kind of 
coming through at that time, and yeah. I don't like I don't like Jake Bug at all. But I was like, it could maybe something interesting will happen if I talk to him. <laughs> well, and it turns out that Jake Bug was uh, yeah your girlfriend at the time's ex boyfriend as well. So it was, yeah, that it, was, it was an issue. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a really complex uh, uh, web of lies, so to speak. But um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. Uh, yeah, let, let's go and see uh, more about your festival as well, because we'd love to um, get into the, the depths of that. So uh, let's go and check out the admin section of your festival. Okay. About to drop some matters like I know I should, but I just remember that I left it in the club. I don't know how I'll get my high. I take a look around and know I sigh, but then my salvation it comes through. Cause I'm inhaling pure O2. Cause I'm going to the oxygen tank. Cause I'm going to the that was actually quite disappointing. Do you have the name of your festival? Right, well it's kind of tricky isn't it? Because most kind of dream festivals are like Wayne Stock and World's War uh, Not <laughs> yeah. World War II, yeah, Wayne's World, World War II. <laughs> it's always post-apocalypse and then war with you, isn't it? <laughs> we all remember the bit in World War Two where <laughs> Wayne... Campbell set up his festival. No, the bit in World, uh, Wayne's World to where he sets up Wayne Stock, but my name's kind of like I've got like a double barrel and the first I was like, so I'm gonna call it Christopher MacArthur Boyd Palooza. Yeah, just to like lean into the unwieldy gangliness of my name. I like it though. It's a uh, Lollapalooza is quite hard to say at the best of times. So that's just like I feel like your name is a, a better extension than that. You know, it's fantastic. Like. Uh, so, is the festival going to be, like, since it's, like, based off your name, is it going to be in, like, a, are you going to be, like, the kind of person of honour at the festival, or are you just a cur- What's your role at the festival? The king. I'm the, the king. king. <laughs> I, I, I will say this. I feel like a lot of people set up their dream festival, like, I just want to make everybody happy and, like, introduce people to, like, all my favourite stuff. I'm more treating it like, I am the king. <laughs> I'm the only person who matters. This is all for my sick thrills. Yeah. Uh, this is not a fun place for audience members to go. You won't have a good time at this festival. If anything, you'll be like, why is this guy doing this? Um, so I'll be like kind of promoter for slash king. Promoter slash king. Yeah. A heady but a beautiful mix. Uh, I love the slogan of, welcome to this festival. You're going to hate it. <laughs> this is not for you. Might you might not hate it. You might be like, this is interesting that a guy's done this. Uh, this, and this shouldn't be like the only festival in your calendar. Yeah. This should be like a... <laughs> A weird festival that you would never go to again. This will never happen another year. This isn't like a Glastonbury where this will last for like 50, 60 years. This is like, okay, he's done this once and then he's been tried at the Hague. (laughs) For war crimes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I liked it because the way that you kind of expressed it, it's kind of like like... People have accidentally got it on a voucher deal, and like you know what, let's turn up. We got a free pizza out of it, so let's let's go. Let's see, let's go. Yeah, right. I like that. I like it. Uh, King slash promoter, um, very very nice. And whereabouts geographically would you like your festival? Uh, because uh, I'm the king of it, and it's kind of just for me. I remember the first festival I ever went to when I was a child was called Gig on the Green, mm-hmm. uh, referring to Glasgow Green which is a park in Glasgow, and it's mm-hmm. kind of near where I grew up. Uh, so I could probably 
walk if I could walk home for the festival that would be ideal so now I live closer to Kelvin Grove Park which is another park in Glasgow and I mm-hmm. think that would be quite good yeah. for uh, for just walking home afterwards you know I don't think we've actually had a um, a festival set in Glasgow we had quite a lot set in <laughs> Scotland but Glasgow yeah. that'd be really cool though because like uh, you know I think it's a uh, Glasgow's an awesome city for art and stuff like that so I feel like yeah sticking it in the middle of Glasgow that'd be sick yeah, I just I just prefer that. I, I hate the whole thing of like, oh, we're on a farm in the middle of nowhere and you need to get a bus to the local town and then we have charter buses, but one of the charter buses has broke down, so now you need to walk for a mile in the country. It's like, <laughs> fuck that, man. Just put it near my house. Yeah. And that leads us on to our next question. Are you going to have camping at your festival? Um, No. No. no camping, please. No, because <laughs> I really... This is another thing that happened at that festival I was talking about where I, uh, Wickerman, where uh, me and my girlfriend at the time went out and, like, seen a bunch of bands and stuff. And then she, obviously, she was knew all these people. So I was like, you just go hang out with them. They don't seem to like me. So I was sitting in the tent. And I went back to the tent. And someone had broke into a tent while we were away. <gasps> no. they'd stolen some of her underwear and then replaced it with a hammer. Oh my god, that's which is like the weirdest kind of sexual crime or threat that I've I'd ever heard at the time, you know. So I was kind of like, I don't like camping. <laughs> not not only is like, you've really downplayed that because for me, if that happened to me, I would be so like not only mortified but like genuinely horrified because not only has pants been stolen, which is incredibly invasive, terrible, and crime. horrible, but you they put a hammer in there, which Replaced is like replaced it with a hammer. That. That is, I would not be there. I would, I would leave immediately because <laughs> that's that's the start of a horror film, right? That is horrendous. Oh, 100 percent, yeah. It oh turned out God. it was just a guy who was kind of crawling about the tents, kind of like taking stuff and like somebody else. Like we woke up in the morning and people were packing down the tents and stuff, and someone nearby was like, "Um, does anybody know where we can? Where's our hammer? <laughs> Someone's taking our mallet." Uh, and we were like, I think we know. We gave it to the police. <laughs> Have you got some underwear? Yeah. <laughs> That's not better, but it's it's. Certainly... I just hate camping. It's not fun. It's, it's not no, fun at all. When, when you wake up in the morning and the zip's been up the whole night, and it's like, I'm mad. It's like your whole tent is like uh, someone's breath <laughs> when they've like woke up and like you just get that hot morning breath. The whole tent just has hot morning breath. I hate it. I hate camping. <laughs> so no camping in Glasgow. And... Uh, <laughs> How much would you charge per ticket without revealing up the lineup? How much do you reckon mm. it's going to cost? I like to keep it affordable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not for other people necessarily. <laughs> um, Maybe you could price them out though. But like, all right, ten grand a ticket. Come well, I want, really... well, well, you'll find out why I want people that I don't like to be there. <laughs> um, maybe I would just say a hundred quid. I think that's very nice as you. A hundred quid. Absolutely. You know what? A hundred quid. That's very flat. It's a, it's a bit more expensive than most festival tickets, I think. But once you see what we're, what we're doing, you'll be like, okay, that I can see where the costs are coming from. <laughs> to be fair, that's actually quite affordable in the canon of Castival. To be fair, <laughs> like uh, some people really uh, do hike up the prices. So, uh, and before we move on to the next section, we start looking at your uh, your music side of the festival. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there a, is there any kind of food or drink stalls that you would like in particular? What what are the kind of things you would like? Uh, when you do go to festivals, um, mm-hmm. what would you like to eat there? One thing that was good about that festival I went to was <laughs> um, there was a stall at it in, at Wickerman and it was a cheesy beano. It was like toasted sandwiches with like cheese and beans. Yeah. And the woman who ran it 
my dad's a hairdresser and he did her hair. So I got to skip the queue and get free sandwiches. So I would have her show back up at this. Oh just as a kind of, hey, yeah. thanks. <laughs> oh, now you can do my festival. <laughs> There's only me there, so you can give me all the <laughs> cheese and beans, mate. <laughs> yeah. Um, and maybe, like, uh, I've, I'll tell you... Well, I'll tell you later on. I've got a burger van, and I'll tell you where the meat's coming from. <laughs> you know what? This whole section has just been like, I won't tell you now, but here's a threatening premise. You know what I mean? It's it's quite daunting to be honest. Like uh, the king has murder in his eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can smell blood in the water. <laughs> Which is the alternative name to this festival. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, without further ado, and I, I wait with bated breath, but let's head over to the music festival, and hopefully we'll survive. Hello and welcome to Season 5 of Castable. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It really means the world to me. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please make sure to give it five stars on Spotify or Apple or whatever platform that you're using and give it a nice review. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend, share it. If you want to have bonus content and financially support the podcast, why don't you become a Patreon for a little as pound a month where you get to have bonus podcasts, videos, and so much more. Best way to support the podcast is keep on listening to the show and enjoy the rest of the season. How many days have you got at the festival? Is it a one day, two days? This is a one day. I I really don't like the idea of like second and third days, people being gross, people being sweaty. Yeah. Just go home, have a shower and come back. Like, what are you missing? (laughs) I don't like people having horrible sex and tents when I'm trying (laughs) to... You know, get to the get to the portal, and I'm like going through the campsite. People are like, what are you doing? Looking, I'm not looking at you. Haven't I'm trying to find the toilet. They're like, fuck off, you creep. I'm like, listen, I'm just trying to pee, man. Yeah, I I think one. You know what? One day, the older I get, the more one day does appeal to me. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, oh yeah, here we are. You know what I mean? Because like one day in and out, you have a nice time. Off you go. You get the rest Back of the weekend. In bed. Yeah, absolutely, and. Uh, I, uh, I I do like three day festivals, but yeah, one day it's in, getting increasingly more more uh, appealing. But yeah, so I'll tell you, you, you do see those ones though. It's like oh, we've got a luxury TP, and you have like plugs and a light, and like uh, that. That sounds very middle class, but it does sound very appealing. <laughs> I, I would like to try a music festival where it's like oh, cool. Um, like it's comfortable and nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you actually have a support for your back as opposed to yeah. just lying on the ground. Yeah. Let's start off with your festival. So, who is the first act on your festival? Who's opening up your your show? Right. This is. I think this is kind of an obvious one, but it's a bit of a twist and an obvious one. Like everybody at the Dream Festival wants to see the Smiths yeah. reunite. Like that's just kind of basic. But what I want to do is I want to have two stages set up next to each other, right? One of them has Morrissey <laughs> and, yeah. like, a time-travelling version of every great lineup his solo band's had. And then the other one has Johnny Marr. Yeah. And he can have, like, the Cribs show up to support him yeah. and, like, Modest Mouse yes. and, like, yes. all these other bands that he's been in that are great. And then they kind of do a, a battle, right? Yes. So it's, like, three songs by Morrissey and then they go to Johnny Marr and they're like, what did you think of that? And they'll be like, oh, it's all right, I guess. And then <laughs> you know, yeah, Johnny Marr will do his crib set and then yeah. Morrissey, they'll go up to him and go, what did you think of that? And go, oh, it's pedestrian. <laughs> and it's like, they will have this kind of really passive-aggressive 
rock battle between the kind of least rock rock band has ever been. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of like a silent disco, but played live. Do you know what I mean? Like you get to kind of like uh, pick and choose between the two. Do you know what I mean? I like yeah. That. The other that would be great if you had the silent disco headphones and it's like a running commentary <laughs> where all you can hear the band like just playing, but then you can also hear just a couple of Mancunian. Uh, middle-aged men just go oh, it's not very good is it you know I, mean? <laughs> I just think that would be really yeah really thrilling to see because i want i mean it's one thing to see them reform and do all the songs but could that ever really live up in your to your to your ideals yeah. you know what i mean of like what it would be for the like actual great era smiths to reform absolutely and i i kind of i really love the idea of <laughs> Uh, yeah, just Johnny and Morrissey just come, not like just complaining at the other one for the whole, for the whole <laughs> yeah. like, so, like, yeah, that was all right. But also, like, we, we, we really got to, like, take a little bit of a deep dive into uh, Johnny Marr, because there's so many bands that Johnny Marr is part of, and part of that mm. chronology, uh, um, Johnny Marr really preferred making studio albums rather than playing live. Of course, he did oh, play yeah. live a lot, but, like, uh, that's why he went from studio to studio to uh, with a lot of different bands. And, uh, yeah, um, his work on Modest Mouse, uh, We Were Dead Before the Ship Even Sank. Oh, was, so good. Like, my favourite... Well, it was my, not my favourite album, but it's, uh, it's definitely, like, a joint second, I would say. So, so good. So, one of my favourites, and I'm a massive Modest Mouse fan, and knowing that Johnny Marr was part of that was like, whoa! It's like an extra, like... Like layer of that, and you can hear. One hundred percent. I was in a Modest Mouse before I was into the Smiths, yeah. and everybody oh. was like, "Oh, you got to check out this Modest Mouse album. It's got this guy called Johnny Marr on it." I was like, "Oh, who's that?" And they were like, <laughs> "Well, you know, he was in the Smiths." And I just remember, like, they, yeah, those two bands are, are, are very linked to me in my head, and I love both of them. They're both. I think Johnny Marr does need that charismatic frontman to complete him. Like he needs an Isaac Brock yes. or a Johnny Marr or a Ryan Jarman, you know, somebody who has this kind of forceful, opinionated uh, flight of fancy. Because Johnny Marr, he's an amazing guitar player, but he's quite a dull bastard, you know, <laughs> just in, in terms of, like, speaking, he doesn't really have any strong opinions, you know? Yeah. And y- you are right, because he, he kind of needs a yin to his yang, do you know what I mean? Um, and don't say that in front of Morrissey, because he'll say something racist. But, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but, they, but yeah, uh, but yeah, it's, he does, yeah, I, I agree, because Johnny Moore is, uh, obviously, he's so talented and so fantastic, but he, he can be, he's like bread and butter, very mm-hmm. lovely, very good. However, you need someone to add some zhuzh to it, if you know what I mean. Like, 100%, yeah. Okay, so it's more like he's just butter, and you're like, "Well, I love butter, but I can't just eat butter." You know, like, I need, <laughs> I need bread or a croissant or like fucking. Try to think what else I like having butter on. It's quite a lot, to be honest with you. You know, like Morrissey is like a lobster. Do you know what I mean? Like really repugnant sea creature, but if you combine them with Johnny Marr's butter, it's like, oh, it's actually both of them are now edible. Whereas before, I just had like a soft. Brick of butter in one hand and like an alive sea spider with claws in the other, and then you put them together. Oh, it's one of the best meals you can have. (laughs) I've never heard of Morrissey being described as a repugnant sea creature before, (laughs) (laughs) which is it's true. It's uh, (laughs) as king slash promoter, the the Mm. battle between uh, Johnny Marr and Morrissey. Which one are you going to be spending more time at? Or like, which one do you feel like you're going to enjoy more? Oh, I think I would prefer Morrissey. Because I do like some of his... Well, I don't know, because I do like The Cribs and I like Morris Mouse. And I like a lot of Johnny Marr's solo stuff that isn't 
his last two albums as like Johnny Ma, and mm-hmm. he's doing all these like really fucking boring uh, shit songs. But Whereas songs. I like a lot of Morrissey stuff, but then some of his like the last couple of Morrissey albums have been absolutely horrific. So I really don't know. I think I just want to see it as a spectacle more than actually enjoying it for music's worth. <laughs> that, that that particular event. Yeah, that's a, yeah. I I can see already the the influence of your festival being like you know it's not for everyone, but we're here to see a car crash live. So <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> I want um, people to remember this. <laughs> okay, that's a, that's a great that's a great place to start off. So, who's on after after the battle of the bands? Right. Okay. So this is where I'm getting a lot of my food from. You know, I'm cutting down on overheads. <laughs> I want to have a big tent, right? Yeah. And it says the Jam Reunion on it. Yeah. And I want to have like big Union Jacks. On the outside of it, so it's all those guys who have like Paul Weller haircuts and <laughs> yeah. like, just wear Fred Perry and shit. I want them to be like, we need in this tent, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when you open the door and you walk in, it is a massive like pit <laughs> with uh, like industrial grade meat grinders, right? Oh my like God. spinning wheels of blades, like, <laughs> and they go, oh! <laughs> And they're like pretty green polo <laughs> shirts, and their horrible torsos oh get God. just like mashed up into uh, mints, like human mints. And that's where the that's where the burger oh van's no. gonna get its meat from, you know. You know, when you said that before, like I'm not gonna tell you where the meat comes from. I had that thought, like, oh, that's that's gonna sound quite bad. It was as bad as it sounded. It, it yeah. was. That was horrendous. <laughs> Human mints at the festival. You're the Sweeney, the musical Sweeney Todd. That sounds good. Yeah. Wow. Um, I really want to kill a lot of people at this festival. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why you've been tried in the Hague. That's yeah. yeah. The body count is huge. I want so many people dead that it is actually like the definition of a mega death. There's like a thousand people dead. Like people be like, oh, there was a mega death there? The band? No. Um, <laughs> Just so many people died in a horrible, not accident, a deliberate <laughs> choice that someone made. What was the body count? Yeah, they're a rap group, uh, and uh, yeah, they're, um... <laughs> yep, Ice T uh, has a metal band <laughs> called Body Count. Uh, that is the most niche joke I'll ever tell on the. It was podcast. great. I loved it. I <laughs> Thank loved you. It. <laughs> yeah. So, um, do you have any other? I don't. I can't believe I'm asking this, but do you have any other ways of you <laughs> murdering people for food? <laughs> That's it. It's just I really don't like that type of person i really don't like the kind of uh, brexit brit pop fred perry pretty green no gallagher liam gallagher oasis type shit like i really and i know people who are like that who are very nice right mm-hmm. and i would warn them i would say listen <laughs> I, I know you've seen these posters for the jam reunion and you're excited i'm the king of that festival do not go because it is a trick i have done and they would maybe say, oh, now I'm going to go on the message boards yeah. and the Reddit pages and I'm going to warn everybody else. And I would say, okay, now I have to put you in a cage for a couple <laughs> of months. So I would take the people who I don't want to have killed, but who like that kind of stuff, and I would kind of keep them in a cage for, <laughs> one for a while. And then once my big mincemeat burger van uh, death trap is done, I would let them out of the cage, which I think is the best way of doing it. You're like the evil version of Wallace and Gromit. That's what this is. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I can kind of see you, like, as they fall through the pit, they kind of do, like, loop-de-loops and, like, end up in the wrong trousers slash into a grinder. And, uh, yeah, it just... Yeah, like... it does kind of remind me of that robot dog from, yeah. uh... <laughs> Uh, do you know now? Think about it. The chicken run uh, pie making machine is kind of a big inspiration. <laughs> I really hope Mel Gibson dressed as a chicken doesn't show up to rescue all the uh, neo mods from. I mean, stranger things have happened. But... <laughs> <laughs> wow, I mean, it's going to be a Britpop pie tent, and uh, yeah. and I kind of, uh, <laughs> I I just love the idea. It's like, like I'm the king of this festival, and I'm telling you, don't go in there. But they're just like, <laughs> I really like the jam now, yeah. and it's like they're just like they're sweating and down the face, like don't know what to do. Yeah, it'd be good if I could just have going underground playing on a loop. <laughs> going and then they do go underground, yeah. you know, into the underground, the, the burger yeah. mincer. <laughs> the flesh mincer. <laughs> there has been many, many things in Castle history where people have uh, gone absurd, gone silly, gone awry. But I think that's the darkest thing. <laughs> this is the darkest timeline for sure. <laughs> well, people love... shouldn't come to Christopher McArthur by the Palooza if they want to have a dark time because I'm the king. Yeah, I love that. It's a great festival. Yeah, I. Uh, we don't have to dwell on that too much longer. But like, uh, what is it about that person? Person, uh, that kind of, as you say, kind of Brexiteer, Britpop, Freddie Fred Perry kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. What's what is it about that person that you don't like that much? It's just a kind of like they think that that is the only kind of real music. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, whereas yeah. you're limiting yourself so much if you're only really listening to a specific type of guitar music from a specific time in history, and then the solo projects of the people who are and there's so many people where that is just a taste of music and it's like there's so much more stuff out there like every type of genre has something beautiful and life-changing if you just kind of look inside yourself and you're not afraid to try new things but uh that's quite a sweet reason for murdering all these people do you know what i mean like okay yes i want to turn your bones and flesh into uh, a horrific burger <laughs> But I'm doing it for quite a nice reason because you're not culturally aware enough. <laughs> I'm not, you're like you're. People haven't gone to the jam tent. It's just like uh, they sat down, like about to go and watch Megadeth. Oh, and they're going to continue this burger, and it's just got a right said Fred tattoo in it. Like, wait, what's that? What's this made out of? Hey, what, what's this? Hundred <laughs> percent. So after the horrific meat grind, mm-hmm. um, uh, who is a uh, which which next act have you got on at your festival? Which spectacle have you got next? Right. So this is quite a nice one, I think. <laughs> this is uh, Metallica. Time traveled from September twenty sixth, nineteen eighty six. Yes. So that's the day before Cliff Burton died. Yes, so for anyone who doesn't know, Cliff Burton, um, the original bassist in Metallica, um, died on the third tour, um, the, uh, the Master of Puppets tour in a bush mm-hmm. crash. And uh, yeah, it's quite obviously very horrendous and did alter Metallica, Metallica's future and vibe and stuff Totally like that. changed their entire personality and mm-hmm. uh, the politics of the next two albums. One of them was like, leaning in towards this guy's politics, the Unjustice for All, which was very anti-capitalist, but then they got over their friend's death and <laughs> yeah. put out an album that was like, we would love to make all the money in the world. <laughs> And our politics, uh, we had a song on Justice for All that was like, war is 
a fucking absolute nightmare that just grinds up poor people for the rich man's pocket. And then the next one, they're like, don't trade on me. <laughs> yeah. Pure like, we will fight you if you dare come near us. <laughs> yeah, there's... um. Because, yeah, those those albums are very big. Cause, uh, so what we're talking about, listener, is uh, uh, And Justice For All, the fourth Metallica album, which is um, quite laced with, uh, like, grief and sadness as mm-hmm. an album instrumental, nearly instrumental um, song at the very end called uh, To Live Is To Die, or the penultimate song is To Live Is To Die, mm-hmm. which is like an ode to Cliff Burton. And it's, it's quite a sentimental album ways. It's quite a heavy album, but also they changed their sound, literally changed their sound for the next album, which was definitely more... We're going commercial, and yeah. uh, and it's definitely you know, and there are some really awesome stuff on there. There's some like Sabbath True, yeah. and yeah. Uh, there's some good stuff, but it's just not. And I think Injustice for All is one of these things where it's like a beautiful failure, you know, like <laughs> it is not a real, it's not really a good album. I love it like more than I love most things about being alive, but. <laughs> The fact that they like completely took all the bass out of it because their friend, the bass player, died and they didn't like the new guy, you know? Yeah, because like the the bass, because um, Jason Newstead came in for Metallica and uh, basically the, <laughs> the the bass and Enter Sandman is do 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 do, and it's so yeah. like it's so stripped down. And um, uh, Cliff used to do like bass solos in like uh, for whom the bell tolls, Orion. <laughs> Yes. Like and also used to pitch quite creatively into the songs like uh Call of Cthulhu, uh yeah. like it's about like a HP Lovecraft kind of um like imagery and that does come into like um He and, was classically trained and he taught James Hetfield how to like uh, shape songs in that way, you know, like yeah. so it's such an important part. And so what I want to do is I want to have uh, Cliff Burton his last show was uh, in in Stockholm. On this, uh, on this tour, I want to time travel the whole band from that day. Have them play an amazing, you know, eighties thrash set. Let's like they're all drunk and like mm-hmm. uh, Lars hasn't got too into cocaine yet, <laughs> but James hasn't sobered up yet. So yeah. it's you know it's a kind of interesting vibe. Cliff Burton smoking big joints and Kirk yeah. Hammett's just doing whatever he does. <laughs> uh, Dave like, Mustaine's looking like, oh, I fucking hate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But just before they time travel out again, I'm going to go up to them and go, listen, boys, tomorrow, Cliff Burton is going to die in a bus crash. Please, like, just tell the bus driver to go a wee bit slower <laughs> on yeah. the black ice roads of yeah. uh, Sweden, do you know what I mean? Or Switzerland or wherever you are. Just chill out. You don't need to get... <laughs> or maybe just wear, like, yeah, your seatbelts or something, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, for sure. I just want to change the course of... Metallica history by rescuing uh, Cliff Burton. Yeah, and I do think it's such a shame. And I do love Metallica, and I do love mm-hmm. the songs they. I, I like the trajectory they went on in certain ways, but also some ways not so much. But uh, uh, but yeah, they um, yeah, Cliff was such a big part of that band, and it was uh, it's sad to see him um lost in such a tragic way. But yeah, it, mm-hmm. I would be. What do you think the biggest difference between Metallica would have if Cliff Burton was still part of that band. Oh, so it's, it's that wee butterfly effect thing, isn't it? Yeah. I think they maybe. I think he would made, would have left anyway. I like yeah. to think he would have left, mm-hmm. and then in the nineties when they are trying to become the big uh, global smash mm-hmm. black album sales, he would have just started some crazy stoner rock band like Caius or something. Yes, or I can see. He that. would have been in 
he would have been in like the third Queens of the Stone Age album or something. Yeah, you know? like, absolutely. <laughs> He's big, just Tommy. Yeah, yeah. Big, uh, like fuzzy bass lines and just like yeah, yeah. The, the 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 bass solos in Anesthesia in the first album is just like so like I fi- I love it so much. And as a uh, uh, as a teenager, it blew my mind as well. It was so cool. Absolutely. And, like, when you learn it's been all been done on bass as well, it's like what? Mm. Oh my god! And that's how they introduced him to the band as well because like they saw him play for a different band who was doing mm. Anesthesia. And uh, yeah, that's that's how he signed up. And uh, yeah, that's a really that's a lovely touch to have at the festival, and I appreciate. Them. For me, it's just like the bass solo on Kill 'Em All is like no other thrash band had anything like that, and none of the bands that just copy Metallica, like Trivium or mm-hmm. uh, all these kind of uh, metalcore turned thrash bands that you had about like 10, 15, 20 years ago, like. Nobody who ripped them off ripped them off in terms of how crazy they were, do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? In terms of like really insane decisions like having a bass solo on their first album. So Absolutely. And like it's um yeah, it's it really um yeah, I, I love it as well. And also like like I'm not sure how this is, but like I used to watch like those clips of um, I see Metallica lives, uh, live quite a few times, obviously in mm-hmm. in their older age and they they put on really kind of like kind of pitch perfect shows because it's kind of like they're very well polished they know what they're doing it's a great mm-hmm. headliner act however but if you watch the older versions of them they, it's really raw and quite aggressive as well James Hetfield's yeah. like you fucking worry I'm gonna fucking get out fuck you fucking <laughs> it's like James chill out mate take one of uh, like bloody um, Cliff Bifters mate uh, just yeah. chill out <laughs> Like, How is... are we joint, mate, and just fucking zone out and stop, stop <laughs> drinking all the vodka in that city that night because you may find that it will have a negative effect on you in a few years. Obviously, it's easy to go back to the 80s now and go, you guys are doing too many substances, but what was and it? For the love of God, slight anger, don't, no, no. Oh, I don't know. I've got, I've got, I've got a soft spot. No, for to be honest, I was just trying to do a quick joke. Genuinely, <laughs> I, 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 I was, I love sweet slight anger. Mm. Um, because I don't think it's a Metallica album, but I think it's a good album. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's... 100%. It's an interesting... Again, like the bass solo on Kill em All, it's a very interesting thing to be the biggest... Like, the, the fifth biggest rock band in the world at the time and yeah. go, oh, we're going to do an album where our drums sound absolutely fucking awful. And zero guitar solos. And, like, yeah. genuinely, like, uh, although we kind of uh, criticise them for going global in uh, for black album but imagine mm-hmm. like when you've gone global you're a household name a lot of people know metallica mm-hmm. then being like you know what hey studio albums <laughs> we're gonna do this one which no one's gonna like apart from us and i like that it's such a cool experiment and uh, yeah it's cool in a way you know it's definitely the sound of a band who has been to therapy <laughs> <laughs> They're like other people's opinion doesn't affect how i should act i have to act in a way where i am comfortable with what i'm doing and don't care you know it's like very kind of yeah uh, cbt i think <laughs> not cock and ball torture but you know uh, uh fucking, cognitive, cognitive yeah cognitive <laughs> anger to me is just a, a big uh, session of cbt yeah because i haven't watched uh, some kind of monster which is a documentary that goes alongside of it but mm-hmm. like uh, i know kirk was like doing like a uh, uh, speed awareness courses and anger management <laughs> and stuff like that and yeah. Uh, yeah so it's like there's a lot and obviously um, Jason who said left the band at that point and uh, Rob Tugello mm-hmm. came in and uh, uh, yeah it's it's a yeah it's a big old change in the band but I you know I do have a soft spot for St. Anger it's certainly the least polished album but it's good it's, it's, do you know what you could do 
I would have Metallica for 1986 so that I could rescue uh, Cliff Burton. But what? Maybe something. Maybe instead of just warning them, I could also book Metallica from 2003, mm-hmm. and I could make the young Metallica watch the bad Metallica. <laughs> And they would just be looking at me like, so why is Cliff gone? And I'd be like, oh, you, you don't want to know. <laughs> like, why are we all like uh, clearly just out of rehab? And it's like, well. And then I think they would go back to the 80s in Stockholm and they would immediately fly home to America and disband. And then, you know, Cliff wouldn't die and they would all go into different solo projects and you would completely change the course of metal history. Um, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I um, I can I can kind of imagine if they saw themselves live though, like you know, in, like Back to the Future, they start like fading away. I have like yeah. I feel like that would happen. <laughs> It'd be quite funny, and there's just like the guitars just fall over on stage. It'd be great. Um, I think at that point I would have to rip off my face Scooby Doo style to reveal that I was in fact Dave Mustaine, who has. <laughs> Who's actually just been pretending to be me as a king <laughs> to just destroy Metallica once and for all, like a, some low-key type of villain. Yeah. <laughs> Love. You know what? I am, as this goes on, this is a, in getting more and more just for us two, but I'm, I'm loving it. It's perfect. I love it. So, but, but yeah, I think I love uh, Davis Tane as a Scooby-Doo villain. <laughs> like I, w- I would have got away with it too if it weren't for those meddling thrash kids. I would have got away from it too if it wasn't for you meddling Metallica fans. <laughs> First time I seen uh, Megadeth in, in Glasgow when I was 14, and uh, for some reason, it's quite cringy, but the whole crowd was going, Scotland, Scotland, Scotland. And Dave, my name was like, What are you guys singing? <laughs> oh my God. Are you guys singing Scotland? <laughs> And we were like, yeah. And he was like, it doesn't matter where you're from, as long as you're from planet Earth, right? And then he played Hangar 18, and it was the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. Because <laughs> I thought that could have lost the crowd at that point, you know what I mean? But like, uh, fair play. I think, I think if he hadn't it just immediately played Hangar 18, we would be like, wait, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> but we're like, no, he's talking about aliens, now he's doing alien songs, that's so funny, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh bless uh, so after Metallica 1986 who have we got on uh, I would say right so here's one right we've already spoke a wee bit about Modest Mouse are there just to be the backing band for Johnny Mars Battle but I remember being I think I spoke about this on my stream on Twitch recently but I remember Modest Mouse played Glasgow they had they were playing the O2 Academy in Glasgow mm-hmm. when I was 18 I think, 17, 18. And I had this thing at school where you could either do French or you could go to college and learn, like, a technical skill. Mm-hmm. And I decided, well, when am I ever going to need French? Uh, not realising that uh, it's actually quite handy if you want to speak to a big chunk of the world. <laughs> yeah. um, so I went to college and I learned how to do screen printing for, like, T-shirts. Mm-hmm. And the... Lecturer was this. Uh, at, at the time, I thought oh, she's like thirty, but now I'm a bit older. I'm like, I think she was like just out of college herself, and yeah. she had a modest mouse. Uh, she, I'd said I was going to make a modest mouse T-shirt at the screen printing course because 
uh, I loved them and they were they were coming soon. I thought oh, we could have like a homemade t-shirt. And she was like, oh, it was like a, it was like a five hundred days of summer type scenario. Yeah. I was like, she was like, you like Modest Mouse? I've never met a young guy who likes Modest Mouse. And I was like, yeah, I love them. She was like, are you got tickets for them coming up? I was like, yeah, I've got tickets. She was like, oh, see you there, that's so cool. Um, and then the day came and me and my friends were on the train to see Modest Mouse, and. Um, for some reason, like, uh, the guy asked for our tickets just as we were getting off, and he made, and it was such a, it, we had to buy them, but we only had, like, two, like, less than a minute to get off the train, and, and the, and the kerfuffle, we ended up leaving the, the, the gig tickets on the train table. <gasps> no. We, we queued up, uh, this is, like, my favourite band at the time, like, I was totally obsessed with, like, not just, uh, we were dead before the ship even sank, but... Yeah good news for people who love bad news yeah. this is a, a long drive for someone with nothing to think about yeah, yeah lonesome, lonesome crowded west yes mate. all the yes. b-sides all yeah. the fucking uh you know uh, yeah. what was the name of the live album like captain uh, bullshit rides again yeah Cap- <laughs> uh, captain baron von bullshit right yeah again. yeah it's uh oh mate uh yeah i i love honest mouse as well and uh mm-hmm. i got into them when i was at uni and i, re- I remember like my favorite album is uh good news for people who love bad news yeah, is that that it was the, I know an exact moment, and it's so powerful that it pulls me back to that moment in history when I listened to it for the first time. And that sounds really wanky, but the, mm-hmm. the music does have that power, I feel. Yeah. And uh, and there was that moment, um, there's a song called The View on, on that album, which is towards yeah. the, the end of that album. Nobody and talks about it, but it's a great, great song. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, um, there's a there's a line in it, which, um, like, and, you know, like, it's, it's quite... It's quite powerful stuff, and it's quite a dark album as well. And uh, mm. there's a line in it which, like, just like I was trying to do work at uni work, and I was just kind of uh, half listening to it and really enjoying it. But as soon as I heard it, like, it made me focus so sharp. Uh, it's in the bridge. It goes, um, "Life's not beautiful without the pain." Well, I'd just rather never even see beauty again. Uh, and it's just like, "Fuck me!" Like that if was just life's not beautiful without the, the pain. pain. Well, well, I just never ever see beauty again. Oh. Oh. Can we be best? friends for life this is so good like, this great, is man. just pretend we've, we've met the <laughs> yeah the other i mean i feel like it's worrying though you know like uh, <laughs> there might be some kind of highlander type situation where it's like there can only be one uh, guy who loved metallica then modest mouse <laughs> do you know what? i've looked into that because i remember i remember googling like metallica modest mouse when i was a teenager like does anybody else love both these bands especially very very common because there's not much crossover in terms of like sound or like yeah. they're not for the same place metallica and modest mouse but mm-hmm. for some reason i think it's the darkness and the lyrics of modest yeah. mouse that kind of attracts slightly more mature metallica fans who kind of get past the, the 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 bullet belts and the, the yeah. denim jackets and then you go into oh life's not a a nuclear war it's more just try to get through it <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um but yeah come into my bunker by bunker i mean uh, meat grinder come on go on. <laughs> but yeah talk- so we, we queued up for this gig and yeah didn't have the tickets and we tried to get in and i had a full mental break oh, like mate. i started like tackling uh traffic cones in the street <laughs> Oh, no. Like running into walls, like to punish myself and shit, like absolutely mm. insane breakdown behavior. And um, me and my friend just got the train home, and I just cried the whole night. It was so I would have that night their set. They must have played that night, and I would have the lecturer at the college. <laughs> I oh, would wow. have her like be my queen for for the 
for the forty-five minute set, you know. Wow. I'm, I don't know if that's too uh, creepy, but no, um, I, 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 you know, I, I appreciate that because, like, yeah, I think that's because you're trying to recapture a moment you lost, right? And that's hundred uh, percent. Yeah. yeah, and it's not. Yeah, I, I like that, and thank you for being uh, open and honest about that. That's. <laughs> 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 yeah, and uh, at the end of the festival, you'll be running into a wall and, uh, <laughs> and tra- traffic cones everywhere. But um, Well, knowing my luck, I would set up this festival where I'm in charge of everything and everything's kind of a weird way of changing history or <laughs> putting things to right. And then I get there and they're like, uh, sorry, your name's not on the list. I'm like, what do you mean my name's not on the list? My name's in the name of the festival. Like, it's Christopher MacArthur Boy the Palooza. I'm like, we don't know who you are. And I just have to kind of sit outside the park like yeah. I try and climb the fence end up getting impaled on the top of it yeah. and I have to just watch my festival play out for a distance as I slowly bleed to death you know this is the saddest festival we've ever done it's so sad <laughs> But I also love the fact that the reason that the security don't know who you are is because the actual security force were, were lured in by the jam tent and like they had to get the backups and it's like, nah, sorry, mate, we don't know who you are. <laughs> okay, so after Modest Mouths, who do we have? I don't, uh, maybe like, um, I don't think they ever played festivals, but if you could have the talking heads uh, yeah. from that tour where they were doing the... Uh, stop making sense that would be cool we have them as like headliners and then it's like do you know what none of this is an attempt to recapture lost nights as a teenager none of this is an attempt to like make morrissey and johnny marr feel bad about their (laughs) life decisions none of this is like trying to rescue a a a bell-bottomed stoner bass king from the thrash scene Mm -hmm. this is just a good show for everybody to enjoy and i'm like do you know what if you've survived this awful Goosebumps, choose your own adventure, <laughs> nightmare scenario where there's a good chance you'll die. If you get to the end, you can watch Talking Heads. We can all have a dance and a party. <laughs> I, I love that. And you say that on top of a uh, an, an iron fence. Oh, God, my, <laughs> my kidneys. Oh, God. Oh, but, oh once in a lifetime. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, I want to talk about Talking Heads in a second, but you talked about the, the theme of uh, recapturing as well, and I know you just d- discussed it now, but do you feel that that's what you're... Is that just for this festival, But or do you do you have a thing in your broader life where you are trying to recapture stuff? Is that what you try and do in other things in your life, or is it just for this festival? I don't know. Um, I would say, like... Uh... Yeah, sometimes I think about my career and stuff and I go, okay, I'm a stand-up comedian, which is kind of a nonsense job. (laughs) Yeah. Why am I doing this? And then I think, well, I wanted to do it when I was 12. Yeah. And then I think, should you really be living to make your 12-year-old self happy? And then I think, well, why else (laughs) would you do anything other than to make a past version of yourself happy? Yeah, absolutely. But I try and think more... Maybe you should start thinking about the future version of yourself rather than the past version of yourself. You know what? You are right. And maybe I'm not the one to kind of uh, uh, the best person to chat to. But I do, I do, I do agree that, I don't know, like there's many things like when, when you work in stand up, like for a while, it kind of like uh, when, you, when you first start doing stuff, it's like, oh, my God, it's so cool. When you first start out, it's really like you're just enamored by the, the process of it that you enjoy it. But when whenever it starts becoming a job and you start like meeting your genuine like heroes, but you're so because 
when you work in a dream job, you pull mm -hmm. it to reality. I mean, that there, there's lots of nightmares with it too. You know, there's a lot of things which aren't perfect about it. And so, like, you'd be working alongside like one of your heroes, but you're not, you're not. You're like, oh, I can't bother doing this gig tonight. I'm really shattered and tired. <laughs> but then, it, then you, I think you should think back. I mean, like, you know what? Twelve-year-old me would be losing his shit. Uh, two years ago, me would be losing this shit right here. Just yeah, enjoy yeah. the moment a bit, like the end. I think it's okay to be mindful about those things, but also, yeah, but yeah, but also do. <laughs> this is but good then point. there's also like, why am I trying to impress this twelve-year-old virgin? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. absolute goof who was like so into the Kaiser Chiefs, it's unbelievable. Like, why did I care with this absolute? Like, I remember when I was twelve and it was like non-uniformed day in school, and I was wearing like a brown cord suit jacket with an orange T-shirt that I got for like Morrison's. Like, why am I trying to impress that guy? <laughs> Well, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I, Sorry, but, I don't know what I'm asking you. <laughs> I feel that uh, if you're attacking your 12 year old self, you're also attacking my 12 year old self. Sure, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, just yeah. be nice to him, all right? <laughs> like, no, yeah. but oh yeah, yeah, you are right, and uh, it's it's interesting that, isn't it? Like, uh, uh, comedy is a such an odd career choice and uh it's definitely in the last year it's definitely changed my view on a lot of it as well 100%. i'm not sure i'm not sure yeah, how you're yeah. feeling about it but yeah um i guess you just have to do the things you enjoy you know like hopefully that obviously with um uh, enjoy an album like you can discuss things with someone you love chatting to do you know what i mean that's uh -huh. it so just i think it's just about finding the the things you enjoy out of life right well, you know, it's a, maybe a little bit of a cliche, but I always think about the bit in uh, the Wes Anderson film Rushmore, mm -hmm. where Bill Murray's character's in the car, and uh, he's trying to get away for Max Fisher, who's the main character, and he's like, what's the secret, Max? And he's like, I think you just uh, do what makes you... Do what you love and until you die, and then it's, I've, I've absolutely mangled that quote. Wait a minute, I'm gonna get it up. That was such a good build up, and then the actual quote was just furious dog shit. Mate, that happens to me literally every time. I early when I had to find the view, Monus Mouse, I had to like really type it in quickly because like, I, I, I know the song, but I'm gonna mess it up. I'm gonna mess it up. Okay, what's the secret? Uh, okay, so Herman Bloom says, uh, What's the secret, Max? And Max Fisher goes, The secret? I don't know. I guess you've just got to find something you love to do and then do it for the rest of your life. And then I think the thing we enjoy an album that I try to do is, you know, I realised I was listening to the same stuff over and over again. Like, I love Metallica. Mm -hmm. I love Modest Mouse. I love The Smiths. But I've been listening to them all for at least 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of diminishing returns. So what we're trying to do is try to listen to, like, new classic stuff so as we have you know, discover our new favourite bands, kind of, essentially. Mm -hmm. It's not really worked yet. <laughs> <laughs> there's been some stuff where I'm like, this is class, but there's a lot of, like, uh, absolute dog shit to wait through. But that's fun as well. But I feel like it's kind of like uh, when you find a book you really like, it's like, it, it doesn't happen all the time, but you have that mm -hmm. magnetic, like, whoa, here we go, kind of thing. Like uh, That feeling of discovering your new favourite thing, when you thought that you had all the stuff that you like already, and mm -hmm. then you get a new thing that you had no idea even existed, and it's yeah. completely for you, you're like, fuck, this is what being alive's all about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I tell you what, um, after this record ends, I'll send some stuff over, which I really love, which I think you might get a lot out of too or so. Um, yeah, I'll send it over, and hopefully yeah, that, please do, yeah. that, that might kickstart it too, hopefully. So, uh, But yeah. Um, Has anybody had a, a, a wrestling tent at the <laughs> festival yet? 
<laughs> uh, I know Sue's Kempner had a, a fighting tent, uh, but a fighting tent. Yeah, like just where people get to knock the shit out of each other. Like Fight Club. Yeah, like Fight right. Club. That's cool. D- uh, tell me about your wrestling tent. <laughs> well, I know it downloaded a couple of years ago. They had um, Triple H as a kind of yeah. I don't know how much a wrestling fan are you? Are you familiar Not- with NXT? Uh, I'm not. Uh, okay, that's like the developmental league for WWE. Yeah. So they they gave Triple H this kind of pet project, like make all the brand new wrestlers good. Yeah. And then when they get onto the main roster, they'll be ready for it. Um, and he got really into it, and he's a big metalhead. So he got in touch with Motorhead, and he was like, "Can I play Donington Festival, like uh, Download Festival in England?" And there was a big, massive wrestling tent with all these wrestling mm-hmm. fans but it was at a music festival so it was like loads of heavy metal people there as well and I think like Slipknot jumped on someone as part of it or something crazy like that Yeah. Uh, so I would love to have a wrestling tent but instead of having the developmental league run by Triple H I would like to have uh, when I was 10 the wrestlers <laughs> that were doing it when I was 10 like Rey Mysterio yeah. like I went to see Smackdown house show at the Brayhead Arena in 2003 and Eddie Guerrero versus The Big Show, and um, I think it was uh, Rey Mysterio versus Tajiri and Chavo Guerrero in a triple threat match. So I would just like to have that exact show, the first time I've ever seen live wrestling on Mother's Day 2003 with my mum and dad in the of Glasgow. I would like to transport that exact building and just lift it up and drop it in this park so as I can go back. And, yeah, I guess it's just revisiting. But isn't that why people go to music festivals? I don't think anybody goes to music festivals to be like, oh, I want to discover a new band. It's like, I want to relive being a teenager again. That's why, like, uh, nostalgia festivals are so... Well, I, th- I think it's a mixture of two, because I think it depends on why you're going and who mm-hmm. you go to see when you're there. Like, because uh, I kind of feel like with certain things, like if you go to Glastonbury, like, there's a lot of... A lot of places you do go to experience new stuff as well. But also, like, the reason you buy a ticket to a festival is because of the headlines, usually. Sure, and, uh, yeah. And so, you, 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 well, you kind of book tickets based off that, I guess. But, uh, yeah. Um, but I, I like that, though. I, and uh, I d- it didn't mean to criticize the idea of recapturing. It's perfectly valid. Uh, I think it's uh, <laughs> it's very sweet, if anything. But um, uh, So, just to wrap things up, let's talk about talking heads. So, um, tell me. Like, yeah, sure. I, so, I know... I know Bits and pieces about talking heads, but where would you recommend uh, someone to start off with talking heads? Uh, so everybody kind of knows Psycho Killer, I think. Yeah, it's just like the big hit off their first album. It's mm-hmm. kind of a guitar, guitar-y thing. Yeah, and a, a cool guitar punk song, post punk, uh, where really nice chorus. Yeah. I remember being like, okay, I like this, and then I just remember going on the internet like, what's the best album? And everybody was like, the best album is Remain in Light, mm-hmm. and I would listen to that, and I would be like. I, I didn't even like hear it as music I was like this is just sounds like cause it doesn't it's all the music is kind of taken from a kind of uh, they really ripped off like a lot of Afrobeat musicians like mm-hmm. Fila Kuti and stuff so it's all non-western song structures and it really just freaked me out and it took me years and years to like uh, get into it and I, but I always seen it as kind of quite heady music but then uh, this film, the Talking Heads film, stopped making sense. They showed that in Glasgow at a vegan cafe called uh, The Flying Duck, and they shut the oh, whole yeah. cafe down. Yeah. They turned off all the lights, and uh, they showed this uh, film, but they'd done something wrong. They'd never shown a film before, I think, so the picture didn't match up with the audio, so the drummer would like do a drum roll, and then like three seconds later, you'd hear... Like, it was like... <laughs> 
it didn't work yeah. at all. So basically, what everybody done was just like, let's stop watching this as a film and just everybody get up and dance to it. And we were like in the dark with this film playing the most. It's the most amazing live show, and I have really uh, kind of strong affection for that night because I was with people that I didn't really know that well. But like once you've danced with someone, it's like you might as well be like best friends with them because you feel so free around them, you know. So to so to go from. I like this band, I'm freaked out by this band because I don't understand this album, to loving that album, to seeing that music performed live in probably the best like live album forward slash music film I think there's ever been. Yeah. So that journey really means a lot to me. That... You know what, you've, uh, like, um, I'm not saying this uh, to be sycophantic, but there's such a genuinely <laughs> sweet and warm um, choice throughout all of this, you know. There's, um, there's a, <laughs> the saving of a people, it's really nice, which is quite jarring alongside <laughs> the meat factory. But... I have strong opinions <laughs> both ways. <laughs> okay, uh, that's. Uh, I think it's a really awesome day of... Um, music yeah, but would you like to add anything else to your festival do you know i've realized it's a bit white and it's a bit uh male heavy it's a very also 1986 heavy <laughs> uh, yeah. all these so i i mean uh i'd probably oh i would have danny brown on danny yeah. brown done glasgow once and mm-hmm. uh someone threw a bottle of water at him yeah, uh, and he kind of left the stage 10 minutes in he was like fuck this i'm not doing a, a rap <laughs> show people are going to throw water at me so i yeah. would transport that gig back but i would go hey danny i've got him and i i would go this guy's gonna uh, throw water at you soon and i would throw him into the jam tent uh and like grind him up and then danny would be like oh fantastic that's really solved my problem and then that would write that wrong in history also like do you know what i just realized you're trying to pitch like musical doctor who that's yeah, <laughs> that's what this is you 100 percent. yeah you're you're like the teenage doctor who's like uh, right i've got this time travel machine let's use it to see some gigs and then that's nice i do you know i've not really watched a lot of doctor who but now you've put it like that i'm like maybe i would like it I don't think it's like that, to be honest. Oh, well, uh, it's, a, it's like a guy time traveling to like right wrongs in history, but then it goes wrong, or like aliens go back in time to like make things. What I don't it's, know. It's it's more like um, he goes to deal with like uh, uh, different places in time in history and space and trying mm-hmm. to sort them out. Um, and uh, but it's yeah, it's a bit more sci-fi and fantasy and with a lot yeah. of like. Uh, I, I'm not a massive Who fan, so uh, I'm sure, definitely at yeah. my depth. But all, a lot of my fans are Who fans, so I'm gonna be careful there because, like, uh, Doctor Who shit. No, I'm joking. I'll edit that out. So, uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so Danny Brown's in. Uh, in terms of having a bit of more a female presence, I remember when I was a music journalist, one of the first people introduced who was kind of famous was uh, a kind of New Jersey songstress called Sharon Van Etten. Oh yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing singer who just has an absolutely harrowing voice and songwriting style. Like it's really, really powerful and emotional. Mm-hmm. And she has this, you know, really kind of harrowing backstory as well, where she was like a victim of like uh, domestic abuse and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was just a teenager. I didn't. I wasn't the most. I was making a lot of faux pas mm-hmm. and I didn't really have a lot of empathy. You know, I think a lot of te- uh, teenagers do kind of lack an ability mm-hmm. to see things from other people's point of view. And I was interviewing her and she was so sweet. Like her band were uh, 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 doing a sound check and she was like, guys, can you keep it down? This boy wants to talk to me. <laughs> and she was so sweet and kind. And I was, I, I, 
I asked her a question like, oh, so I read an interview with you. Uh, when you were a teenager, you had a boyfriend who was in a ska band called Scatalica. Was that uh, a ska band covering Metallica or was that <laughs> uh, just like a cool ska name? She was like, it was just a cool ska name. And I was like, okay, cool. And because I had no sense of how conversations or speaking to people goes, I was then like, what was it like being domestically abused? And she was like, <laughs> God, yeah. oh, wow. I didn't think you were going to bring that up. Um so I really wish I could book her and give her a really big fee and go, listen, Sharon, I know you probably don't even remember it, but I really fucked up a conversation I had with you when I was a teenager. And mm-hmm. to make it right, I'm going to let you play my festival, really big stage. Okay, people are being ground to death at the <laughs> meet near you. <laughs> but I think you'll have a good time. I think that, yeah, I <laughs> I mean, again, it's, it comes from... <laughs> We, as teenagers, you do make mistakes, and uh, often mistakes we you think about non-stop as well. I, I definitely yeah, I've, uh, I have made so some... many regrets. Yeah. I feel like that's where the Dream Festival's about. That's where Chris MacArthur boy the police. I'm putting myself like, oh, I'm the king of this festival, but, but really I'm like, I have done so many things <laughs> the way I'd rather I did not. And like, I know I keep on coming back to it, but the one you feel least guilty about is the the, uh, the Sweeney Todd uh, pass, No, I yeah. really, I, I think I'm going to try and set that up in real life, actually. Uh, <laughs> this could be the first podcast admissible as evidence, you know. This I'm just saying, if next year at the Fringe you see a show called The Jam Reunion, do not go. <laughs> it might be part of the Free Fringe, but do not go because it will cost you. Oh, no. Well, It'll be in the Three Sisters <laughs> in Edinburgh. <laughs> I'm going to have to be careful of that. But, uh, yeah. um, well, I think that's a perfect place to wrap up. But let's go and head over to our final part of our uh, podcast called Floor Fillers. Mm-hmm. As with event management, things are bound to go wrong. So here's five hypothetical questions that Chris has to deal with in a manner that he sees fit. So, um, okay, let's start off with this. Oh no, talking heads have cancelled last minute. Who do you get to replace them? Oh, because they're the headliners. So that's yeah. like kind of paying off all the pain and misery everybody's <laughs> been through all through the day. So yeah. I would say, listen, Metallica for 1986, Metallica for 2003, let's do a super show. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Where yes. everybody teams up and there's like four guitarists, two Lars Ulrichs and uh, two James Hetfields and then just have Morrissey jump on. Oh my God. To, to be the singer of the Ultra Metallica project. <laughs> that, that is, that, I, you know, as a teenager, that, that sounds like a good thing in theory, but in reality, that'd be horrendous, but uh, watchable, I guess. I just want like, uh, I want to see both eras Kirk Hammett's team up to kick fuck out Morrissey after he says something weird about Kirk Hammett's ethnicity or something, you know? Oh my god. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. <laughs> oh no, uh, you have one extra slot to fill in your stage. However, your sponsors say you have to pick someone from your most recently played on Spotify. Who's your pick oh. from your recently played? Well, let's see what my last played thing is. It's If You're Feeling Sinister by Bell and Sebastian is my most recently played album. Because that's what we're doing next week. And yes. I feel like that would actually be 
pretty crazy because I know for a fact some of the band members do live near that park that we're holding yeah, in. So well, it's probably really like, well. Stuart, Murdoch, please get down here. Uh, I've got it. He'd be like, oh, why did you not invite me to be part of your dream festival in the first place? I'd be like, just shut up, shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're like a local hero. You'll jump on, you'll save the day. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's lovely stuff. Oh, so one of your actors have forgotten their equipment, but good news, they can do an acoustic set. Which artist, if you had to choose, would you make do an acoustic set? Wow. So we've already covered the Smiths, the Jam. I, would, I wouldn't mind a... I would love to hear... Um, <laughs> This, the wrestling tent the acoustic <laughs> set where instead of all the big heavy rock songs it's just a guy like kind of sh- gently strumming like on the way to the ring it's the big show and then there's just like a wee old Scottish man doing like finger style acoustic <laughs> version of his entrance music yeah it's the big show <laughs> yeah that sounds really lovely actually Let's let's wrap up with this one. Um, oh dear, someone's running late to your festival, um, but and you need to fill for time. But fortunately, one of your favourite celebrities is willing to do a DJ set for you. They don't have to be a DJ, but which mm-hmm. celebrity would you pick? Wow, favourite celebrity who like who has a good taste in music. Oh, I, I don't know if I like any celebrities. I would love to hear <laughs> if Raymond Steele was going to be there. For the wrestling thing, I would love to hear what kind of he's a Mexican guy. I'd love to yeah. hear what kind of Mexican music he's into. You know what I mean? So that'd be quite cool. Yes, I think um, that's, that'd be cool as for sure. Yeah, kind of forty-year-old masked <laughs> fake fighter. I'd love to hear his take on like. Uh, although I mean, Mexican there's a huge kind of movement in Mexico where Mexican people really love the Smith. So maybe he would just be there as a fan anyway to see this reunion. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah, actually, we'll, we'll finish with this. Um, uh, so your fans are in the mosh pits, and they're uh, crowd surfing, and they're doing the MacArthur Boyd. What do you think that might be? Mm. The MacArthur Boyd is... Um, it's kind of like... I used to have this thing I would do... Well, I have a, I have a dance on my stream where every time I beat a boss in a video game, I play the... You have just won the duel music from the last Yu-Gi-Oh game, which yeah. is like... And I, people type in exclamation mark elbows in the chat, and I do my elbows dance, which is like, <laughs> I do. I, you can't see because yeah. you know we're doing a podcast, but basically I put one elbow, I put my fists together like I'm fist bumping myself, and then I lift my elbows up in time with the music, kind of like chicken wings, but yes. like chicken wings tend to go both up at the same time. These are a wing, a wing at a time. So I would do the elbows as the MacArthur boy, probably. That's my kind of new signature dance. I guarantee people at home are actually doing that right now, just trying to figure <laughs> it out, because I was doing it too. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of like a really funky number, so it's funny to dance to. <laughs> Alright, that is the end of Floor Fillers, and it's the end of the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Christopher. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. I had an absolute blast, man. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for coming on uh, for a very rich uh, musical lineup with some great chat <laughs> and some delicious burgers. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, I know you're a vegan man, so I thought you would appreciate having kind of uh, what they called not conservable meats. What's it? What's it called? Energy? Cons- no, what's it called when energy is reusable? Oh, like uh, sustainable. Sustainable meat. <laughs> sustainable meat. <laughs> the world will not run out. Uh, awful Britpop <laughs> fans that I don't want to mince up and eat raw. I mean, <laughs> 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 
in case, would you like to plug some stuff after that? Uh, yeah, if you like uh, me talking about music, you can listen to my podcast called Enjoy an Album. I do it with a comedian called Liam Withnail. Uh, he's very, very funny, and we listen to we're listening to the top five hundred albums of all time according to Rolling Stone magazine. And mm-hmm. a lot of times we've never listened to it, so we do a bit of research and. You can listen along, and we talk about our favourite things about the album. So that, that would be a good shout if you if you if you like this. Absolutely. And uh, where can people find you online? You can hit me up on at MacArthur Boyd on Twitter, or you can hit me up at, at MacArthur dot Boyd on Instagram because my dad took at MacArthur Boyd on Instagram <laughs> for his hairdressing business because uh, he hates me. So <laughs> yeah, I would hit me up on uh, on on Twitter, please. Oh, brilliant stuff and uh, uh, thank you so much for listening today it's been an absolute treat if you do like this podcast please give it a five star rating our podcast uh, every re- review massively helps especially if you'd like to re- uh, write a comment and alternatively if you'd like to help support the podcast please do share it with your friends word of mouth is really helpful but please join me in saying a massive thank you to our guest today Christopher McArthur Boyd thank you so much thanks so much Matt for having me